on this week's full-time roundup. Daniel and Matt get you caught up on all things Champions League. And of course, it's Thursday, so prediction show. Full-time roundup starts right now. And welcome in to the latest edition of the full-time roundup. Matt Gesslin here, joined in person again with Daniel Brackett, Coffee Cast, as we are at Hobbyist Coffee Shop, one of our favorite coffee shops here in Charlotte. Daniel, good morning. I see that you've had a couple of sips now, so hopefully, as we've talked about before, your voice will change as the episode goes. But good morning to you and a lot to cover this morning. Anything that you would like to share as a Valentine's, post-Valentine's Day night uh, for, for you and your loved ones? Um, not really, other than I hope everyone felt loved today in some capa- or yesterday in some capacity. It is 8 a.m. Um, on the East Coast, so you know, around this time, I don't see anyone in the morning. So this is this is definitely new for me. But what we do for the cause, right? For the cause. And to kind of jump right into it, Premier League Monday night, Chelsea and yourself. You've been quiet, but you might be back, and I know you are. I am not back. Uh, You're back. I'm not. I haven't had any coffee yet either. It's still early. So, yes, I'm still recovering from waking up and seeing Daniel's grim face this hour. Um, Oh, boy. Back. This was not a great performance. Um, Connor Gallagher, of course, saves the day at at his former club that not his club he obviously was on loan from Chelsea but a place that kind of got him started and and really kind of set the tone for him in the last couple seasons that was his like most well-known stint it was right? yeah where did and he go before that do you was it championship? he was yeah I think he was in the championship but then more just kind of was a you know he's still a young player he's still only 23 years old so I think he was an academy kid for us and then yeah and then ended up in, in Palace I'm not that's you know honestly that's that that's how much Palace helped him out I didn't really know his story beforehand so um, but again, he, he had, you know, a, an absolute moment um, that, you know, he'll remember, remember forever, of course. Two moments. Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, to your point, are we back? I think it was a really poor performance all across the board, really. I mean, we went down, of course, um, you know, absolute banger from Lermer um, with, with that shot to put it, you know, basically where Pekovic couldn't get to and then gives them a one nothing lead. And then, you know, we kind of fought really poor first half all around. Um, and again, you know, we're playing Palace. So, yes, you expect the team to have possession and, and kind of dominate. But it wasn't the same type of performance as we saw against Villa. It was more of that passive, um, you know, just kind of possession for possession purpose. I thought, like we talked about after the Villa game, you know, the team was, was much more aggressive and, and change of pace, and, and you saw kind of what that team could look like. But, um, again, with this Chelsea squad, as we've talked about before, just a lack of consistency. Now, the big thing is they, they get three points, um, and then they, they break the losing streak in the Premier League after three losses in a row. So that's that's big. They move up to 10th. Uh, and, again, you know, outside shot at, at, at seventh, um, which would be a Europa Conference League spot. Whether or not I would like that, I don't know yet. I'm, I'm indifferent on that as I've given a lot of people a hard time about that competition in the past. But um, I guess there is technically still an outside shot for sixth, depending on results going forward. Probably not. Probably not, though. But, uh, you know, only five points behind United, so uh, not ter- or a few more points than that. But not too, six points, I think, but not too far behind. 
I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I, I told you after the Villa game, I don't think we're back. I, I'm going to continue that, that streak right now. We're not back. But a win is a win. Um, and we have a big one on Saturday. So if we can get a result on Saturday, which I know will help you um, and Liverpool and, and as well as Arsenal fans that are listening, uh, then I can maybe say that there's some type of momentum to be to being back. But um, when we were talking about saying Chelsea's back, Chelsea have been top four club perennially for the last 15 years. So um, if that's what we're t- classifying as back, this Chelsea squad is not back, uh, as you're putting it. A couple things here. Um... I was trying to really get you to buy into this just because I know I'm going to just tear you down on Sunday after the City game. Oh, which is why I'm not too high on it. I'm not, I'm not dumb. Yeah, you you kind of know my plot and, and why, because Palace didn't have Elise or Eze. So they were literally had no one on the field that was worth noting, to be honest. Um, I actually placed a... a a wager on this, which I couldn't believe I was actually betting on Chelsea. Of course, Lerma scores a banger. Chelsea doesn't register a shot on target in the first half, and I'm kind of motherfucking you in the text messages, why did I do this? Um, which I could have told you was a terrible, terrible you idea. did, but then I made the point about how Crystal Palace missing literally everyone. You're like, well, that's a good point, I guess. But I did, you know, Chelsea did respond well with three consecutive goals in the second half. Um, they also... It seemed like that midfield came back to life a little bit. I thought Cassieda, who I'd been very tough on, especially because of the whole drama on the offseason. So there is a bias there, but I just have not been impressed with him all season, especially how he played at Brighton. Um, I thought Gallagher, obviously, with the brace, played really well. And then Enzo Fernandez is now adding that final piece in the final third. So I thought the midfield came back to life. So is that that's three wins in a row, I believe. Think I'm gonna have to check. But two, two, two in a row. Two in a row. Yeah, Villa. We lost going into. We lost both Premier League games going into that Villa battle, and then two really? games. Yeah, okay. we lost to you guys, and we lost to um, uh, Wolves four one, three one. Shit, you're right. Okay, yeah. Well, that's two wins in a row. You guys somehow, some way, best performance probably all season against City last last time. So we'll see if you can put in the shift. We're not gonna we're gonna preview that later. So spoilers. But just know, just a plug, we just started a get or I just started a gambling show with my, my buddy Harrison on the platform. City is going to be a large wager for me. So just gonna preface that and plug that in here. But congratulations on your win. I'm sure you really needed that. And I guess we'll really reconvene on Sunday and see how that goes. We will, and and uh, you know, to your point, just before we move on, the, the the midfield is starting to look a little better. I think there's still pieces that are missing as well. I've I've talked about even though he has looked good, Connor Gallagher for me is not the long term solution in that midfield. I think you said he's 23 though. I know, but I I still like what Lavia potentially could bring to the table. A little different different opportunity, but we'll see. I mean, that might just be me personally. Of course, there is a lot of rumors about. Connor Gallagher again moving in the summer. Um, Spurs are continually coming to look for him, and uh, just so that you know, to put some housekeeping things on this, he he's an academy product. So anything that we make off of his sale for him would be for complete FFP, FFP uh, which would be complete profit. So we're looking if you know if someone offers us sixty million for him, that makes uh, sense. It, it's kind of hard to kind of say no to that. So we'll see what happens. Question: How the hell are you getting a two hundred million war chest in the summer with all these expenditures already? Like. Like, how are they pulling the letters? Is it because they eat year ammo 
amortization contracts that they signed? Is that yeah? I, I mean, that's that. part of it. That is like, part of how it. Is that possible? I mean, obviously, they've they've made contract decisions so that they they can stretch out salaries and, and wage bill, uh, but they are going to have to make some moves to get rid of some players to kind of free up some cash. But yeah, I mean, it's not it's not as bad of a situation as some of the other clubs that have really gone all in and, and done shorter and and part of. The, the new construction of contracts is because of the way that Chelsea created these eight-year contracts and the, the, league, the, system. the league was like, well, now we have to make yeah. these five. So it's it's a little bit kind of convoluted, but eventually <laughs> eventually the bill will come due at some point. we just kind of given us a, a little bit of a runway at this point. Which is, number one, you guys are going to be sellers, it seems, at first. So it's going to be really interesting to see if people, you know, players are going to be willing up to give big, up, big contracts to go for a less contract somewhere else. Number one, it's going to be harder than I think people are giving it credit for. Number two, I love how a baseball owner who probably has given a lifetime contract before in baseball came in and was like, well, why don't we just you know stretch out the years to ridiculous lengths? That's such an American thing, and I never even kind of clicked with me. But anyways, La Liga, athletic club, absolutely fumbled the bag. To Almeria. And I don't know if anyone has realized, but Almeria might be the worst La Liga side of all time. I kid you not. They are 20th with 24 games played, zero wins, seven draws, and 17 losses with a goal differential of negative 29. Seven points on the year. That is atrocious. I think they almost are going to break the record for no wins in Liga for what's been more than six months did not realize how bad they were because when they went up against Madrid not that long ago I was like okay well there's something there but no they have not been a single team yeah they're they're a horrible side and um this is a big like you said kind of a fumble for Athletic Club who who are fighting with Atletico Madrid for that fourth spot um you know Madrid Atletico Madrid of course um, we're not going to use Real in this context, so just keep that as we go through this. But um, Madrid, you know, dropping points the other day as well. So this was a huge opportunity for for Athletic Club to kind of gain some ground and, and still, you know, especially against the bottom team, a, a team that is so poor, as you mentioned, um, you really thought that they would get the W here and, and tie Madrid on points at, at 48 points and, and obviously jump them with the goal differential and being sitting in the in the cat seat for that fourth spot in, in La Liga. That doesn't happen now. Um, you know, Alvaro Morata's injury doesn't look as severe as we thought. He is going to be out for a little while, but luckily no no damage to the knee. Um, and so you, you look at things like this, and, and as you go towards the end of the season, Daniel, little things like this could make a huge impact to placement in, in Champions League and, and, and ultimately the, the title uh, or the table at the end. I, I do think that as we've talked about, a team like Girona doesn't necessarily finish in, in, in the top four or, or maybe it has a little bit more of a battle on that fourth spot as well. Only eight points clear right now of a, of a club like Athletic Club. Um, can Girona keep that momentum going, especially now that they kind of are out of the title race? I think we'll see as that continues. I think you had a little bit of momentum, a little bit of, hey, we have a chance of winning this title, so that keeps them going. And now that that's kind of diminished and by the wayside, will, will they kind of fall back to where Historically, they've been as a squad the last couple of years. Time will tell, but this was a big opportunity for Athletic Club, and they squandered it again. You mentioned, you know, Almeria not really having won a game, but they gave Barcelona as well a, a fight recently too. Now I don't know if that's a testament to, to Barcelona or not, but 
Um, even though they haven't won a game here, they are going to be potentially a spoiler going forward for, for one of these two teams, and we just saw it uh, on Monday night. Yeah, they're also historically unlucky. Um, I I haven't I didn't I wish I followed this story more to be honest. But I mean, when they lost to Real Madrid, it was some of the worst refereeing decisions I've I've seen in a while. It seems like they just can't catch a break. They they went down a man. Um, their best their best winger, probably a guy who's gonna earn a big move in the summer that saves Almeria for next year, got a two yellows as an attacker. Uh, you know the post saved them, but then athletic athletic club would pour them in forward, and they would counter. And they had like three opportunities within the last five minutes, like a three on two with numbers, and they just either just missed or like didn't have the confidence to put the ball in the back of the net. It was just really weird, but um, it's going to be really interesting. Like you said, Girona and Athletic Club, ten points between them, and I think they do play this weekend, which we'll get to. Um, in a little bit um, so that will really be a good litmus test for both teams because Athletic Club are in a good way right now but they needed those three points and then Girona have kind of suffered some setbacks like you said so it'll be really interesting to see um, now I do want to quickly mention did you see Depay's gift to Griezmann? I did uh, a very nice gesture of course Antoine Griezmann becomes the all-time goal scorer for Atletico Madrid um, and Memphis Depay gives him a wonderful nice gold encrusted ring um, going forward I, I think that that's going to be useless but uh, a nice gesture and of course Antoine Griezmann is a special player who will only continue to add goals to his tally now that he is the most all-time goal scorer especially given his age and He's going to be there for a few more years. So uh, you just love seeing players recognize. And, and you know, of course, it, it builds camaraderie on the squad. And, and um, it just shows you how close they are in, in, in the locker room. Of course, they're, you know, when they're on the field together as, as, as Atletico Madrid, they're, they're friendly. Uh, when they're playing for their national teams, they're, they're not as friendly. But it just shows you kind of how close these guys are. And, uh, you know, it's a little different nowadays, right? Um, especially historically, maybe you wouldn't be as close with a with a compatriot of a different nation, but um, especially we're seeing it in especially in U.S. sports too. Um, some of these rivalries go away. Not that France and Netherlands are really a rivalry in, in the sport, but um, you know there's always been some type of like disconnect between players, just given that that history. And uh, like I said, even in, in U.S. sports and in college, you're you're losing some of those rivalries just because they're they're so connected, they're so involved, even at a young age, that those friendships are built. And and it's clearly, yeah, it's a brotherhood. And and, and clearly. Um, you know, Memphis Depay thought it was, and I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't just Memphis. I'm sure that was a, a gift a from team, the team, and, yeah. and you know, some type of discussion about what we should do for for Antoine, and and of course, well deserved. Yeah, maybe for our hundred episode, I should get one of those pinky rings. If you gifted that, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. Um, the to rotate the Serie A, another team lost ground here. Juventus lose ground on Inter. Um, obviously. Uh, no Vlahovic, mm -hmm. um, yep. which was kind of the deciding factor here. No final edge. He's been in wonderful form. Chiesa just keeps leaving these performances that we know he's such a good player, and he, since that long-term injury that he had, he just, like, can't get back to his best. And he was. He shows flashes every once in a while, and I'll mention it usually when he does. But, like, oh, my God. And... He's such a big player for the Euros, too, for Italy. So they got to get him back on track. Maybe Allegri is part of the problem there. Maybe. 
Um, so we'll see kind of with the next manager who comes in if he takes that next step as a player as well as a lot of other Juventus talents that they have. But now they're seven points back on Enter, who have a game in hand. Big Mil- point right there. Milan point. is only one point back now. We've been really mean to Milan. I'm going to go ahead and apologize here. Pioli, I still don't think you should be the manager. But Rafael Liao has kind of bounced back in form. Um, and they're just, like, grinding out these wins. So, I mean, AC Milan, they're not that far away. I mean, still, it'll probably be 10 points after Friday. But they're still, like, I don't know, maybe this Inter story is going to fade off into the distance by the time this league ends. Yeah, I still think this this is Inter's league. You mentioned even they have a game in hand on on AC Milan as well, um, right? So they're... they're eight points clear with a game in hand on AC Milan. Um, but I think the story here, like you said, um, is, is that Juventus are a pe- bunch of pieces. And I don't think that they're a team based off the way Allegri plays them. We've seen that before with, with the way he's, his style is. You mentioned Chiesa, who's had flashes coming off that injury. He looked really good for certain elements um, recently and then kind of fell off. And um, there, it wasn't long. You know, it was kind of um, flashes in the pan, but it's a long injury. It's a serious injury. He had no, no you know, training camp, quote unquote. Um, so he's kind of just getting into the flow of things again a little bit. And, and it, it, you know, it takes a lot to come back from something like that, especially when you're not getting consistent reps or having the, you know, the progression that you would have normally in a training camp type of environment. We've seen that in other sports too recently where, you know, players that are coming back because they take time and, and all of a sudden they, they have hot moments and then they, they kind of fade because you can't keep that sustained momentum going forward. So I think they go as, as far as a player like him takes them. Of course, Novlaovic is a big deal too in this game. But um, yeah, I think AC Milan, we knew, not to discredit the, the Inter story because of course they're top of the table. I think this, this league is over. Um, especially if they win that game in hand, they'll be 12 points clear of, of AC Milan and, and 11 points clear of, of Inter, uh, of Juventus, excuse me. Um, but I do think that basically you're looking at an AC Milan side that is the second strongest um, in, in Italy, which we knew kind of his last year with, with the way that they finished and the way that they went to the Champions League. And so now you're starting to see kind of that, that season-long impact come into form, right? They had a little bit of a stretch, but they had the talent, and, and Pioli's figured it out, and, and they're probably going to finish second, which to me makes the most sense based off of the roster and what they've done the last couple of years. I have to agree with that, and kind of like I said before when we did our first predictions, one of our first shows, I, I literally said, Leal is going to take this team where it wants to go. And so it's, I mean, not to put all the weight on one player, but... Like, Liao did not play well for a good month and a half, and that's when Milan had their big blip. And now he's back to his best, getting on the score sheet every single game, Mm -hmm. and they're just climbing up the table. So, like, Pioli lives or dies by how Rafa Liao performs, so that's a scary thing for Milan. And that's not how a team should, you know, be... They shouldn't just rely. Like, Liverpool lost their best player for a month and a half, and we've turned out wins. 
with Muhammad Salah being out. And he's actually getting back now, but like you can't just depend on one player, so that's why I don't rate Pioli that high. But different different system though too, right? Because obviously Premier League money and, and everything like that, the depth that and, and things like that. So you have but, to keep that in effect. I mean, too. They built a, a pretty reasonable, decent squad at this point. I mean, they just sent the Catalare at the Atalanta on loan, so like they could have had him. But anyways, there was a game yesterday, real quick. Bologna topple Fiorentina two 0 um, weird game, kind of like a primer before the Champions League match, if you will. They dominated the game. It was not an easy game against La Viola. They're now four points ahead of Rome and tied with Atalanta on points on fourth, which is super interesting. You know, Thiago Mata, a extremely good coach. And uh, later when we have more time in a couple future episodes, I would like to speculate where I think he's going to go because I do not think he will be staying at Bologna long term. Um, now, we have the Champions League. Could you do... I wish we could insert a soundbite of the Champions song, but I won't do that. Dun, 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 <laughs> the Champions! Thank you, thank you. But uh, I think first, we should get to this Bayern Lazio game. Go in reverse order, because I think... the I think we learned more about these two games that happened yesterday more than the Tuesday games. So, Bayern, Lazio... Lazio with a crazy 1-0 win. Um, I thought Bayern outplayed them. I do. I also, you know, Upa Makano gets a red card. Uh, I thought Bayern were great until the final third. Very static. We've talked about that ad nauseum with Tuchel's setup. Um, all confidence with that static play and missed chances. All confidence seems to be lost. I mean, Harry Kane's dropping into like CDM positions to pick up the ball because he's like kind of lost um which is really interesting because he did that at Spurs and it always drove me crazy um what do you think oh and also nice little proverb two Chelsea ex-coaches sorry ball and Tuchel ball going together in the Champions League that you are not in that's another that's neither here neither are you by the way so let's not rub that in from a we have European okay all right all right all right uh, and we don't go to manage through managers like Candy, um, which I was looking up because I, I didn't know they uh, took a separate or relieved, sorry, of his role. Lampard was right between them. Yeah, the wonderful Lampard era. Um, and then Chiro Mobile with a nice penalty after the red card, which was not a pretty challenge at all. I just, you know, stream of comp, uh, consciousness there. Go. Where do you start here? Um... Can we laugh? We can laugh. I mean, we should laugh. Boy, the mighty fall really hard. Um, we've seen this with Chelsea, not to bring it back to Chelsea, but to it your point, it's, it always comes back to Chelsea for me. Uh, but no, it's one of those things, right? It's a Bayern Munich have been the class of the Bundesliga and arguably of this tournament for a very long time. They won, like what, three years? Yeah, not too long ago. And so to see the, to see the, the demise of the club, Let's not call it demise. They're going to be fine next year when they, they bounce back. But this year is obviously very, very rough. Um, the first time in 11 seasons that the, the Bayern Munich squad lose a round of 16 game, um, which is pretty remarkable as well. Thomas Tuchel not having a good moment. He's lost 10 games in, this for, in 43 games since he's taken over. Um, you know, and yeah. zero shots on goal in this one. You mentioned the domination over zero, zero shots on 17 shot attempts, but not on goal. Um, you know, dominating possession again, another, another 
way that you expect this game to have played out, right? Because Lazio, going into it, were clearly the under undermanned or under talented squad here, as is always the case with Bayern Munich. This this roster is just so good and so filled of talent across the board, and I, it's just kind of one of those things where Thomas Tuchel. You wonder if, if this is his doing. You mentioned Harry Kane trying to come a little deeper to get the ball. We saw it against um, Leverkusen as well. We've seen it a little bit more recently in the league across the board. Just his heat map is not where they expect him to be as the number nine when they when they signed him. So you just wonder, and, and we saw this with Chelsea, the way Tuchel plays a little bit more defensively and wants to kind of play that more pragmatic style. You wonder, Daniel, if Bayern Munich made the right choice here by getting rid of Nagelsmann and, and bringing in Tuchel. It's the only thing I can keep thinking about. You know, Nagelsmann was at the game against Leverkusen, and, and you couldn't help but see the smile on his face a little bit as, as they went down. So uh, you, just, you just wonder, sometimes too much of a good thing is too much of a good thing. Um, and I think Bayern Munich got a little bit ahead of themselves with this decision, and it's costing them right now big time. And um, this could, we've talked about it before. I don't think Thomas Tuchel gets fired, although you never know. Um, this could change things. But from my lens, it, it, unless they know that they're not going to get Xabi Alonso, which is highly possible because he may go to Liverpool, then you start looking at a replacement. Otherwise, that's who you're waiting on. And, and why would you take an interim coach? And who is that? You know, do you bring back uh, Hansi Flick or, or you know, a, a manager like that for, for six months just to kind of get you until you get that long-term manager? But again, this is a very, very interesting, and, and not to take anything away from Lazio, there's still two legs here. Bayern can definitely take care of business in advance, but um, this was a very sh surprising result. There's so many storylines, and we, we touch on a lot of them. Um, check out on Twitter at Full Time Roundup. I tweeted out, um, was the decision to sack Nagelsmann one of the worst decisions that Bayern had ever made? You know, they they were doing one of the, historically well in the Champions League when they fired them. They were I don't think they were first in the league, but they it was obvious that they were going to probably win it. And they've they are out of the poll guy. They're they I mean it doesn't look great for them in the Bundesliga. They're five points behind Bayern or Bayer, excuse me, and then they're losing in the knockout stages. I mean they this could be a trophy list season for Bayern and Kane and that would well that wouldn't be too new for Harry Kane that but. wouldn't be but still it's just so interesting I I mean if I was the board I would sack Tuchel yesterday and just have Hansi Fleck see it out for the rest of the season I think he would do a better job with this roster I think he would reinvigorate the squad get the confidence back don't rate Hansi Fleck that much as a coach to be honest but I still think he's better than Tuchel in the current state that they're in. Now, um, real quick before we move on, is Syria the last place for these like number 10 type players who just don't fit into the modern athleticism of soccer? And does that make sense? Like, like Luis, Al I was watching Luis Alberto. He's like an ancient relic of a player. Like you don't, you don't see a Luis Alberto or a Dybala or an Ozil or a Kaká anymore. And I've seen a lot of discourse on Twitter, so I was phrasing, is Serie A like one of the last places you're gonna see that type of player? Because Premier League clubs can't afford to have one of those players on that on the pitch these days with just the athleticism and the defensive needs and all that stuff. 
Yeah, I think that I think you just nailed it at that last point. Is the depth and the, the style of play for Syria Oz just a little bit more? How do I put this nicely? Um, Laissez-faire, uh, not as intense, not as top to bottom. All eleven players have to be at the peak. I think you can get away with having one or two players to be a little bit more of a coaster or kind of just. Um, past their prime, if you will, and, and that's just a testament to just how strong you know the the play is and and um, intenseness of champion of uh, Premier League or, or team like a surprisingly La Liga and Bundesliga week in week out. You see that in tournament play too, right? And and they've had that problem of late, and they've kind of worked through it a little bit. Um, of course, Serie A having a great European performance last year across Europa and Champions League and Europa Conference League, honestly. So they've kind of gotten away from that in the past couple of seasons. But yeah, ultimately, I don't think it's an, is it, and, and it's an, an as intense league top to bottom week in, week out. And so you do get away with some of those players having, you know. Maybe Spain, maybe France as well. France maybe more like, so, yeah. I feel like Serie A has the most type of players and those are like the players I enjoy to watch the most. So I was just thinking about that the other day. All right, to move on, Real uh, PSG beat Real Sociedad. Um, we I saw a tweet the other or earlier last night, and we call it them Real or we call them Sociedad, and apparently that's a big no-no. Did not know that. So, so Rob Palmer tweets out just a note to anyone watching Real Sociedad tonight: calling them just Sociedad is like calling Crystal Palace Crystal. It's either the full name or La Real. Did not know that. Thought I'd teach our listeners something because we shorthanded a lot of the time. First of all, I would never call Crystal Palace Crystal. I would call them Palace, if anything. What it's exactly yeah, you get what I'm saying though. Alright, so number one, Ray Hudson, we talked about him before. He's the best. He had some all-time quotes. I'm actually gonna start making a list of just Ray Hudson quotes. You might be here a while. From no, I will. From the game. And to start out the game. He goes, I'm not going to speculate about Mbappe, blah, 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 to Madrid. We're not here to do that today. And he literally just did that. And, and his co-commentary was like, dude, you literally just did what you're not supposed to do. Number two, when Mikel Moreno shot, that shot was a cross between a sledgehammer and a Robin Hood arrow. That's all time. All time. And my last one, Mbappe scored. And he said, giving Mbappe space is like giving your neck to Dracula. Another all-time quote. So I'm going to keep this in my notepad listed. His, I also took a look at his Wikipedia. I'm not going to go into that today, but it is a wonderful read, and I recommend you do it. If you don't know Ray, please... Follower of the show, too. I was going to say follower of the show. Please go check him out. One of the great commentators and, and play-by-plays of all time. Uh, color commentator, excuse me, not play-by-play, but uh, just a great listen. And, of course, his, his calls of Messi over the years have always been... For me, one of the best nice. things um, and, and to listen to, and uh, just go check out some of the highlights on YouTube or anywhere that you can get some of those calls from him. Uh, he, he is one of the greatest of all time. But this game, Daniel, to go into the game itself was, was really kind of what you expected. PSG really dominated the second half. First half, very, very boring across the board. And, and honestly, we talked about Real Sociedad, to get the correct after you just schooled us on that. Uh, we talked about you know what they've done in the league and they've they faltered a little bit and so this was to me an exciting opportunity as the draw came out but the way that um, Real has played of, of late 
it, it really did not feel like it was going to be much of a contest, and, and it, it feels like this one's kind of already over. Of course, Mbappe gets a goal, and then you know, Barcola, a, a youngster that is is coming into his own with a, a beautiful finish uh, for the second, and, and it kind of wrapped things up for me. Of course, it was at home um, for for PSG, and they they will go to Spain for the second leg, but. It doesn't feel like Real has Real Sociedad has much to fight on and, and give PSG a, a chance here or a fight, I should say. You know what they say: the danger, the most dangerous lead is a two-one lead. So if they get a goal early in the reverse fixture, it could get very interesting as PSG are known for their mishaps in the Champions League. But I will agree, it, it was a good litmus test, especially because PSG were completely outplayed in the first half. Um, but when you have the likes of Barcola, who's an absolute dog, who's completely grown to his own, like you said, Mbappe and Dembele all running at you with Mouani and Ramos off the bench, I mean, these are track stars. These guys are rapid, and it's not even fair. So uh, this was, I, I just can't trust PSG, but I thought they did a good job today, and I think this was a huge win as they're not always tested well in the French League that they can win these tough games. And this was a sneaky, tough game. I think you cannot underestimate that enough. It, it is a Champions League, so all games are sneaky, tough. But this really wasn't going to be, from my, my lens, like I said, going into it, I thought, yes. But once you saw the recent form, uh, it kind of was the recent, it, form recent changed things yeah. up. So um, Also, um, another sneaky good game or sneaky opponent, Copenhagen host City. Um, they go up pretty early, completely under siege, but Ederson gives up an absolute stinker of a giveaway. He's supposed to be the best goalkeeper in the world with his feet. I don't know what the hell he was thinking, but thank God City have KDB and Foden because they linked up to score uh, not once but twice. And I was extremely impressed with how Copenhagen played and Elianusi, and I want to do a whole thing on their, on their coach in, in the future. Yeah, of course we talked about this. Um, they've they've been a tough out even in the in the group stages, and going to Copenhagen is not an easy place to play. Um, they they do kind of bounce back after giving up a goal to Kevin De Bruyne and, and get that equalizer. Of course, Ederson really kind of made that play happen. Um, but then you talked about the class that that City have, and goddamn, Kevin De Bruyne is a great soccer player. That's all you can really say about it. He's uh, he's, he's He's just a goal to assist, and, and honestly, the the goal from Bernardo Silva might have been the goal of the day. Not in the in the entire Champions League, because we'll get to the the goal of the day, maybe the goal of the of the round here in a second. But of that game, um, what just a, a great touch and, and around the keeper. Now, one thing to be concerned about if you're a Manchester City fan is, of course, Jack Grealish comes off 20 minutes into the game with a groin injury, and then Bernardo Silva. Speaking of Bernardo Silva, gets. Knocked pretty good on his ankle. Does look like it's going to be probably just a couple games with, with an ankle injury, but you never know. Pep Guardiola did bring it up after the game, so it's concerning when he brings it up. And Guardiola. Uh, and and, and Kovacic are out as well, though Kovacic closer to be, being back. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're, they are injured. Um, and so they're, they're fighting on a couple fronts, too, with, with the big game against Chelsea on Saturday. And then they go back to, you know, back to Champions League in the following week. So... Uh, it's a it's a tough time right now, but you do expect them to kind of come through it pretty good. And and now that they have a three-one lead going home in this in this uh, fixture, 
they, they feel pretty comfortable. They can almost play a secondary team in the second leg against Copenhagen and still advance. So uh, you feel pretty good if you're a City fan after this game. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I felt like I wanted to see more from them. I, I thought they were a little vulnerable. They did a lot of sitting back, uh, Copenhagen did, and then just counterattacking. I thought the counterattacking looked really well, really set up. It was it was a siege though. I mean, City dominated uh, this sure. game, so no, no doubt. And they scored three, so yeah. you know it wasn't like they played poorly. But how many goals do you expect? That's that's just the standard that they've set, right? That we yeah. expect them to score six or seven against a team like Copenhagen. Well, it's, yeah, it's also Copenhagen too. Like, I thought. I mean, they've been like the biggest surprise probably in the Champions League this year. So I guess I don't want to underestimate them. But I also, you know, I mentioned El Unesi, but I also want to mention Jellert real quick, the 20-year-old right back Danish. He kept up with Doku on a sprint. That is not normal. So I do not, I think there was a lot of scouts watching him, and I don't think he'll be on the team um, probably this time next year. Now, Leipzig, Madrid were very hard on Marco Rosa. Madrid eked out a 1-0 win from a Brahim Diaz wonder goal with his, that beautiful wand with the left foot. But I thought Leipzig played really well here, and Andre Lunen actually kept them in the game. Yeah, a friend of mine texted me, um, listener of the show, who knows who you are, doesn't like being called out, but um, he said, why is RB Leipzig so low in the Bundesliga? They should be dominating this game. And I said, because they should be dominating this game, and they are not. Um, that is why they are low in the table in the league. They, you mentioned they, they should have been up two or three in this one in the first half, but they end up with zero. Um, and obviously controversial decision on the offside and, and with Sesco and all that. I think so, it was correct. I think so too, to be honest. He was behind the keeper and, and you know distract or however you want to define that, distracting or impacting the play of the keeper. So I'm, I'm good with the call. Unfortunate. Unnecessary. He didn't need to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lunin was, was again, great in this game to, to start things off and then we've touched on it before Daniel just the way that that Madrid play and you never know with this squad the talent that they have can get a wonder goal like uh, Diaz did if you haven't seen that goal go check it out Danny Carvajal somehow gets an assist on this one I don't know how that's possible this kid just took it over and he's been a he's been a, an awesome addition for them this year coming back from loan and just what he's done with with the injuries and, and how people have been in and out and he's come in and, and really gotten some big goals for them this season. And, of course, now he's hurt. Um, he did leave the game as well. So, yeah, so we'll see how, you know, Madrid handles this. Of course, so far, so good as far as handling all the injuries that they've had. But what do you expect? You know, the, the monster that is Real Madrid, if you don't knock them out, like we've talked about before, Daniel, um, they're going to come back and bite you. In. And they did just that. And now they go back home with a 1-0 advantage on the aggregate. So we'll see what happens here. Yeah, bro, that was a Messi-esque kind of goal with the left foot, number one. Number two, on on the betting segment, I said, is someone needs to fill Jude Bellingham's shoes, and I think it could be Diaz. He's been that good. He's taken a completely – he's taken a big step since Milan. I thought he was great at Milan, but I didn't see this Diaz at Milan. So I'm very impressed with the development that Ancelotti's made with him throughout the last eight to nine months. Also, I think Sesco, this was a big game for him to announce himself to the world stage. thought he was very dangerous, but he just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, and that was super unfortunate for him. And I also think it's so interesting how Real Madrid kind of have reverted back to the Mourinho ways of kind of sitting back once they get their goal, 
and then just counterattacking with the pace that they have. Um, you you would think that arguably one of the best teams in the world, if not the best, would not you know park the bus a little bit and then just play that counterattacking style, but it, it works. Also, a little bit of news: Modric not renewing his contract. I cannot believe it's been twelve years. I didn't think it was that long. Did you? I didn't either. Of course, he's won everything and everything you can think of multiple times over, um, and arguably one of the the best players in Europe and for a very long time. Definitely the best Croatian player of all time, uh, hands down. And uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens to a player like you know Tony Kroos, who there've been a lot of discussions about whether he's going to retire as well or, or or move on. So um, it's a it's a changing of the guard. Luckily, Daniel, they have a player like Kamavinga. Um, they have a so player like Chuamani. Uh, they have a player like uh, Jude Bellingham, Valverde. Uh, Valverde. So you can just add the list and list and goes on and on about uh, not to diminish you know, the credit and, and the skill and just the talent that is Luka Modric, but um, long-term you're okay if you're a Real Madrid fan. Uh, but again, Daniel, like I said, this was one of those games that you just looked at it on paper and you thought to yourself, how does Real Madrid win this game? Right? How did they come out of this one? Again, they were outshot 9-3. to three you know, on goal, 50-50 possession, but it felt like more from Leipzig's perspective in the early half of the game. Um, But there's just so much talent on this Real Madrid side that they found a way. And like I said, and we've seen this before, even if it's up against a a team like Manchester City, if you don't put them away, they'll come back and get you. And and they, they came back and got Leipzig, and now Leipzig has a real challenge to go back. And you wonder if Jude Bellingham will be healthy for that second leg if it's enough time for him to come back from that ankle injury, if it's really needed, can he come on the pitch? Um, it's going to be close, but uh, it's it's kind of almost do or die for, for Leipzig at this point. Yeah, Jude is, if anyone can do that, it's Jude, right? So he is a superhero. But, yeah, I mean, I guess I'd still take this as a positive for Leipzig like, to see if they can translate this type of performance in the league, which they really haven't been able to do all season. So a little disappointed there. Um, but... Before we kind of you know dive into predictions and go into a break, uh, I wanted to give you an update. Um, probably a month or two ago, I made a bold prediction saying that Leicester City was going to break the championship points record with over 100 points, uh, beating Burnley of last year. Um, just a little update for you. There's 15 games left. They played 45, which I didn't know. Um, 32 played 25 three and four phenomenal record they're on 78 points so they only need 22 to break 100 so basically seven wins and a draw in 15 games that's very doable so not to pat myself on the back but i think they're going to be able to get it done now some other interesting things leads hold second place right now they're starting to pull away and gain form daniel farka is a coach which we know very well from the premier league days of being a yo-yo manager um, also, Southampton is in third. Ipswich, West Brom, Coventry hold playoffs. But Coventry is in that sixth place, and six through ten is completely up for grabs within three points of each other. So, like, Norwich with Josh Sargent, um, Hull City, which has a couple of Don't get John excited. Don't get John too excited Josh, about Norwich. Josh Sargent's been on fire. Ugliest jerseys of all time, but he's bagged, like, eight or nine goals in 12 appearances. He's on absolute fire right now. Whole City, ton of Liverpool loanies, Preston North End, and then Sunderland, which everyone knows Sunderland from Sunderland until I die. New season, by the way, check it out. Um, 
So it's going to be really interesting. Also, out of context, uh, football tweeted, it's Leicester City, um, Leeds, and Southampton going down, and they have the same exact order at the top of Championship League right now. Don't think, I don't know if that's ever been done before, but how funny would that be if the same three that went down went up in the same exact order? I know, it's kind of weird. Same three will probably go back down, just to, just to say that it, out loud now. Well, but we'll see. We'll survive. see. That's true. Or that's true. That's true. You know, that's Everton true. always do this. That's true. But, of course, championship is getting to that point where it gets very, very exciting. Uh, you know, you mentioned the, the promotion relegation uh, for both the Champions League or championship and the Premier League. That's, you know, the, the arguably – the time of year that we're getting to and uh, there's you know that playoff is, is a, such a, a fun watch and uh, means so much to so many people and fans and uh, just kind of if you can get into that sixth spot you never know uh, that's the beauty of the playoffs and so uh, a team like Norwich uh, of course John Hayes a huge Norwich fan and uh, friend of the pod you know he's he's hoping to get in that sixth spot uh, but you, you mentioned a lot of teams there uh, just trying to fight for that last spot so it'll be interesting to see who gets in of course Ipswich have, have been we're right there for second place um, all season long, and they've started to slip a little bit. So now they're into fourth place behind Leeds and Southampton. You wonder kind of if they're going to be able to hang on, and um, it would have been nice to see them move up. Uh, of course, they lost to Maidstone in the FA Cup as I don't well. Know but, that much about uh, historically, pretty big, big side, uh, but they've been kind of in that Sunderland level tier for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can bounce back and, and make that move and, and that jump up to the Premier League. We'll see what happens. Couple predictions here. One, Leeds. That's Ewan's team, so recurring guest of the show will be rooting for Leeds for his sake. Um, also, I could see Hull City in Norwich replace Coventry or Ipswich or West Brom. I think Southampton's here to stay. I highly rate their coach. Um, I would look into him if you ever have time. But my prediction is Hull in Norwich to be in the playoffs. Hull City got Fabio Carvalho. Um, in January, it's completely transformed the side from Liverpool. And then Norwich, if Sargent can stay healthy, I'm very bullish on their future of getting out. Daniel Farke, if there's anyone that's going to get them out of the championship, it's him. Um, now, real quick, another league that we don't really touch on, we kind of ignore, but I actually happen to notice it's a very interesting race right now. The Scottish League, um, Celtic and Rangers are tied on 62 points right now. You know, sometimes the race is closed. Sometimes it's a blowout. I didn't really look up, you know, historically the last five years who's won. But Rangers, I know for a fact, did not start out the season very hot. Um, so it's Rodgers versus Clement. Um, we all know Brendan Rodgers historically, so I'm not really going to go into him much. But Clement um, replaced Michael Beal, came in October 23. He's played 24 games. And one and has gone twenty three and one, so phenomenal winning percentage. Michael Beal did not get a single trophy for Rangers last season. Was fired after seven games because they lost three of the first seven. So Clement has completely transformed the side. This guy is coached at Ghent, Brugge, and Monaco before, but he's hitting at a eighty three percent winning percentage, which is pretty insane. So first of all. Who do you think is going to win? Well, first of all, if you can be on my side and give my team an extra point, that would be great too. Both teams are at 61 points, not 62 points. But Wait, really? 
Uh, I will take the extra point if you want to give it to Chelsea and move us up oh, the table. Chelsea. But okay. anyway, no, 61 points across for both teams. I'm looking at the table right now, Daniel. I don't know. To me, it looks like the goal, the, the, the differentiator, because they're both tied on 40 goal, 40 plus 40 goal differential. They have the same goal differential? Same, same points. Wow. And so I'm wondering if it's goals four right now that I'm looking at. Who And Celtic, of course, have four more goals four, and they sit atop the table. Could so head-to-head. could be head-to-head, too. I just don't know what the differentiator is here. Um, Rangers have more wins. They have one more win, but Rangers have four draws versus Rangers four loss. Um, so I just – it's so tight, and, and these two teams are, are perennially the top two teams. Of course, the rest of the league is about – 15 points behind them, if not more. So um, it's really between these two teams as well. I think the the, the game that's going to decide it, of course, is the, the second matchup between these two sides, um, which comes at the end of the season, one game before the end. Ooh. So it's really going to be down to that game on, on April 6th. Um, and it's at Rangers this time. Uh, or it's, it's at Celtic, excuse me. Um, Are you going to back the green or the blue? I like green. I'm a green guy, so I'm going to go with green. Not that I know too much about them otherwise, but give me the green. Based off Stevie's G's ties with Rangers and Todd Cantwell and Jose Sapuentes from LAFC, I'm going to back Rangers to go in and win this. I just don't love that Celtic squad that much. I think Rangers should have a better squad, but it's going to be an interesting ride. So, you know, we'll actually keep you in the loop since now we picked opposite teams to win. Uh, but I wanted to give that a shout-out. That's um, at Rangers, by the way. Sorry, the first leg was at Celtic Park. Okay, which plays in my hands. Yeah. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. Um, so first of all, please follow the show on Twitter, at Full Time Roundup. Follow Matt at Life of M. Gesslin. Follow me at Liverpool CLTFC. And please subscribe to our YouTube. We are going to start rolling stuff out, including a betting segment, once or twice a week. Um, so please hit that subscribe button, watch it, show us, tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see, because we're willing to do content for the listeners. So please just tap into that. You know, if we're missing anything, interact with us on Twitter. We'd love to hear you. Download, rate five stars, um, and subscribe, please. And we're back. Of course, Thursday, Daniel, means only one thing. Predictions. Love it's it. our prediction show. A lot to cover. Uh, Europa League games as well on the docket here, as well as domestic league games, which we're going to get to. Just so in case you don't remember how this works or if you're new to the show, Daniel gives games, and I kind of give my first take, and then, of course, Daniel gives his thought, but he's the one picking the games for us, and these are his selections. So if you have any issue with the selections he's picking, again, follow him at Liverpool CLTFC and just berate him and tell him which games he needs to pick. Um, and also, just for context, he also gives me one nap game a, a session, so I'm waiting to see which one that is. So, Daniel, fire away and lead us off with uh, either wherever we're starting, whether that's in the leagues or in, in Europa League or wherever we're starting. Uh, let's let's get this thing going, though. Since we So go ahead. If, if it is uh, Thursday morning today, so if you want to hear about Europa League um, predictions, go ahead and listen to last thir- or. Sunday show, we did at the end a little quick Europa and UCL prediction, so see how we did on that. But we'll just, we will just be doing domestic, starting out with Liverpool Brentford. And I, I feel like some people wouldn't have added this game to the docket, 
but I think this is a very intriguing game because I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Liverpool win this game against Brentford. Yeah, Ivan Tony back now. They've looked different with Ivan Tony. Of course, they lost to Manchester City, but they looked very good in that game. Um, and Liverpool need need to keep winning. That's really the ultimate. You know, that's why this this game, especially this game, and and I don't know if you have the Arsenal game on there as well, but. Um, both games are important for both of those teams to keep winning because we know Manchester City are going to win more than likely most of their games. So uh, I'm, I'm long-winded here to say I think 1-1 one, one draw. 1-1 one, one draw. I'm going to – it is at Brentford. I'm going to back Liverpool to win this game 2-1. Two, two, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think there will be goals, uh, sneak peek to the, the betting segment. But I, I – I could see Brentford going up kind of like they did with City and then Liverpool having to fight back, kind of that blueprint of the game. So it should be very interesting to see. Um, moving on, just happens to have both of our teams on the prediction show. Not a coincidence. City versus Chelsea. Are you are you all in here? or? Oh, no, this is a blowout. This is a, a, a 3-1 City. So an emotional hedge. Yeah, I, I'm just going to... Your one isn't that bad. It, I mean, it's not that bad, <laughs> I guess. It'll be worse, though, on paper. It'll be a domination, and City will score three. Uh, and you can compare us to a team like Copenhagen, I guess, afterwards. But 3-1 City in this one. Might have to borrow a Chelsea kit for this one. I'm going to back Chelsea here in a big way, but I'm going to be a Chelsea fan this match without a doubt. I call it an emotional hedge like you are probably doing it as well. I'm going to say... They, I think Chelsea got so lucky in the first leg of this fixture. I'm going to say it's a blowout in a big way. I'm going to go 4-1. I think it's going to be worse than 3-1. And, of course, your game is the early game, so you'll have really, you know, it won't be simulcast. You'll be able to know if you guys are getting gaining points on City or, or what that status looks like. If so. Liverpool win and then you guys get killed, it'll be an amazing day. If Liverpool tie and Chelsea stay in it, it'll still be a good day. There's like there's so many good possibilities here for me and my mental health uh, this weekend. Um, to move to the Bundesliga, Heidenheim um, plays Leverkusen. Now, Heidenheim promotion side, you've touched on them quite a bit, Matt. Uh, they've been a revelation this season, very you know, outplaying their um, talent. And I think this is a sneaky, this is almost like a Brentford-Liverpool game, and this is kind of like my comp for it. I think it's a very interesting game, and I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, out-kicking their coverage, as some would say, right? Um, and so I think this is a big one here. Leverkusen had a, a big win against Bayern Munich that we all, we all know about. Um, they'll play today as well in the Europa League, and then they go into this game. And I think Hoddenheim will, will surprise. Um, I think they'll, they'll get a draw, a uh, 2-2 draw. Uh, doesn't impact the title race as far as my, my view on it. I think Bayern are just in, in real disarray. So I think, and we touched on it, Leverkusen are not going to win every game. Um, and so I think this is one of those games that... But they keep doing they, it. They do keep doing it, but I don't think they lose here. I just think they get they drop points. Uh, a 2-2 draw, though. I think it'll be exciting. I'm going to go 2-1 Leverkusen, but it's going to be like one of those vintage Leverkusen extra time winners or something like that. I think this will be a very fun game to watch. It might be a little cagey because there's so much at stake for Bayern or Bayer. Um, but they're not going to be looking you know, ahead at these Bayern games as much as they were because I feel like they know that they're the better team now. And they've shown that. Um, nap game. Leipzig versus Gladbach. You think this one's the nap game? One of them. 
Uh, I, I think Gladbach played just such a horrible style. And Leipzig, we've touched on. Uh, I, I do think Leipzig win this one probably 1-0, but it's a really boring, not fun game to watch. Very cagey. Okay, I'm going to go 2-1 Leipzig. Uh, but it's hard to, I feel like it's very hard to handicap this one, especially with a tough game. And adding a new little wrinkle to this prediction show, I'm calling it coin flip games. Still workshopping, but Lazio-Bologna, coin flip game. What do you think? Bologna. Bologna, even with Lazio off a big win. Yep, Lazio no chance. Bologna. This I think is a nap game for sure. Oh yeah, I don't disagree with that I'm either. Two nap games. One one draw. Um, Fulham versus Villa. <sighs> Villa need this. Villa uh, need this bad, but Fulham are in good form. Two two. Two two. Okay, I can rock with that. I'm gonna go one one. Actually no. Yes, no, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. I, I don't know how to, how to handicap that one. And then Newcastle, Bournemouth. 2-1 Newcastle. 2-1 Newcastle. Bournemouth had kind of cooled off as of late. And Newcastle, you never know what you're going to get. Um, get only Bournemouth in this game. I'm going to ride or die with the Cherries. I'm going to go 2-1 Bournemouth away. Um, so that's our predictions. You hear it here first. Um, thank you, you know, for tuning in on such an early morning. We'll definitely have this out. Well, you won't be listening on an early morning, but we recorded it for you. We did. We did. That is true. Sorry. It's still, it is still early for my brain. Um, again, please subscribe to the YouTube at full time roundup, follow our Twitter at the same handle, follow Matt and I at life of them guessing and Liverpool CLTFC. Great five stars, subscribe, download, and interact with us, please, and have a wonderful day.